These podcasts have been recorded on land where Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been telling stories for generations. We want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. It seems to us, I, I guess, that the world is becoming more divided, actually, and what we actually need to do is see the things that unite us and that actually we have in common, rather than the small number of differences that we have. Welcome to Connected Us. I'm your host, Vanya Bromelow. So, you've heard the Connected Us series. You're keen to get started. Where do you begin? Dave Linden's the guy you need to talk to. Dave's the community manager at Befriend. I spoke to him about how Befriend facilitates community connections and also about his journey from loneliness to community all-star. Okay, those are my words, not Dave's. I began by asking him exactly what the Befriend social network is. So it's about people connecting over shared interests rather than geographic location or background or language or cultural or anything like that. It's about what's your interest? Do you love knitting? Well, yeah, you do. Great. So would you like to share that with other people in your community? And what would that look like? Where would you do that? How often would you do that? Um, how long would you be there for? Uh, and who would you invite? And how would you invite those people? And, and, we, and through Befriend, we support somewhere in the region of about 100, 120 what we call hosts, to, to put on those events and between them there's like 200 events a month or so. Do people approach you? Do you approach people? Is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. People who come to us who want to be active in their community and want to do something and have maybe are familiar with us, maybe they have been to events before or maybe they have just heard about us or maybe they've seen an advert that says we want people to come and be hosts with us. Find out a bit more, come along, they go to a session for a couple of hours with us and they decide that is something they want to do in their community. One of the things that makes Befriend unique is that any adult is welcome at any Befriend event. So whether you, um, regardless of your cultural background, your linguistic background, whether you have a disability or not, whether you suffer mental ill health or not, you might be really a really social person and love to come along to things and meet new people or you might be really isolated and just need to meet someone. Whatever your background, you are welcome at a Befriend event. And the easiest way to do that is through common shared interests, right? It, it's the idea um, that Janet Cleese, her four pillars of connection, um, the, she's been researching it for 20 or 30 years, this idea of community connection, and she talks about how there are four pillars to people forming deep, meaningful connections. And one of those is shared passions and interests. It makes sense to us from a, certainly a research perspective and a practical experiential perspective. We see that every day. The activity, the, the hobby, the event is the thing that connects people. You and I might like walking, so we'll go for a walk and then we invite other people to join us. Um, if I, I don't like crochet though, so I won't go to a crochet class, but other people Why might. not? Crochet's just not really my thing. <laughs> These hands are typing hands, they're not making hands. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. Um, <laughs> no judgment. But, um, yeah. yeah, but so, yeah, it's that idea that um, the things that people care about, that they're passionate about, they want to share those things. 
you know, because there are, I guess, different uh, groups that sort of emphasise perhaps let's take disability as an mm. example yeah. or let's take culturally and linguistic communities as mm-hmm. an example. And it's getting people whose sort of commonality is is their disability or mm. whose commonality is their culture. And Befriend has chosen to do something quite different, mm. which is mix it all up, everyone can come. What's the feeling behind that? What's the reason for that? Well, I guess the, the, the main reason for us is by getting people together from different backgrounds and different experiences, you end up with a deeper, richer experience, both in the events but in your life as well, to understand where different people are coming from, their experiences, create a little bit more empathy and create better connection between people. It seems to us, I, I guess, that the world is becoming more divided, actually. And what we actually need to do is see the things that unite us and actually we have in common rather than the small number of differences that we have. Um, and yeah, to offer people opportunities to connect with people who are not like themselves. And I think there's real value in that. It sounds like, yeah, there's almost a social good aspect yeah, there in of. some kind of way. Yeah, well, just probably. because, I suppose, if you're getting all different people together around a hobby and they're getting to know, for instance, other people from other cultures or other people with disability or people who are experiencing mental health issues, mm. then, as you say, you're increasing that empathy, which then has, I mean... Who's going to argue with that? That's a pretty beautiful social good. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, is, it is kind of the one thing that I guess we do a bit differently to everyone else, as you say. We, so there's, there's that kind of process in terms of encouraging and supporting hosts. Then there's practical things like we offer insurance. Um, and then we, we offer um, support, like ongoing support to hosts. So whether that's additional training to get them to understand, you know, maybe how to interact with people with a disability, for example, if they've not had that experience, oh. or how to manage difficult situations like challenging conversations. Because we understand, as well, as well as that idea, we want people to be included. We're not naive enough to think that everyone's going to, going to always get along with everyone else. <laughs> no. Like, I think that's, that's just, that, that's just yeah. an, an, it, it's not, it's just not going to happen, yeah. right? Yeah. And so inevitably, there's going to be some conflict in some groups at some point. Yeah, and how and, to manage And that. how do we manage that? Because we as an organisation can't be on the ground at 200 events a month, and nor do we want to be. One of the overriding philosophies of the social network and how we operate is that like any good NGO, we're working to put ourselves out of business. The world shouldn't need an organisation like Befriend to enable people to connect. It does, unfortunately. And so in the back of our minds constantly when we're looking at events and we're supporting hosts is the idea of what will this look like when Befriend no longer exists. What's your personal theory on why we do need you to exist? Well, I think it's it's interesting that cities are the most populous places on earth, but they're the most lonely places on earth. We have all these people around us, and yet the research tells us that loneliness is is now one of the new global health crises. We, we are social beings, and we are designed to connect, and yet we live in these places that we are so isolated and we never see anybody. We, the number of friends that we have, the people we can actually call friends, has dropped significantly over the last 20 to 30 years. And people are lonely. The health statistic that always springs to mind for me is that we know that loneliness is as bad for our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Oh, I haven't heard that. And the government will do anything it can to stop you smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
And slowly, it's starting to realise that actually, and it's not just the government's responsibility, of course, um, but we're starting to realise actually that we need to do something about loneliness. The New Zealand government last year released its wellbeing budget that prioritised its citizens' health and wellbeing over and above the GDP. A couple of years ago now, the UK government appointed a minister for loneliness. These things are starting yeah. to take hold. The conversation in the public realm is starting to become uh, you know, bigger and you know, more visible. We understand that these things are a problem. It's how do we solve them? Can you think of any examples sort of in the local area of communities or, or groups that you've had experience mm-hmm. with that brings perhaps disparate people together for the purposes of social connection? In Befriend, I think one of the best examples that I've got is there's a group down in Quinana who play ukulele, and every week they have 30 to 40 people turn up to play ukulele and sing along, and that group was on its way out, and they came to Befriend and said, we'd like to continue actually but we're just kind of on our way out we're not really sure what to do and blah blah and so they they got some support through Jody, our community builder down in Quinana and yeah now they have now they're on weekly sessions with 30 or 30 you know 25 30 from a huge variety of backgrounds and you know they're starting to do like you know we little public you know occasionally public performances and that sort of thing as well and I think that's a really interesting it's just a great example I think of some of the work that as an organisation, we can do to support that already existing community group or a new one to, to bring people together over a shared common interest. And I think that's a great example. Is it different ages, the group? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, see, I yeah. find that really interesting too, the multi-generational yeah, groups. absolutely. And I think that's so, you know, there's yeah, there's been TV shows on the ABC about it and, 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 and that sort of thing, but I think that multi-generational stuff is so fascinating. And there's also a... Um, we. There's a repair cafe that I mean, there's repair cafes across Perth, but there's one that um, we befriend co-hosts with um, out in Belmont, and that happens once a month. And again, that kind of multi-generational, often older people with skills, sharing those with with people to repair items. So, you know, from a sustainability perspective, keep them out of landfill and keep them going for longer. But also that idea of skill sharing and ha- offering people the opportunity to learn how to repair things. I know you have a story of community connection particularly close to your heart. Tell me about the Vic Park Collective. The Vic Park Collective exists to make Vic Park uniquely awesome. And so we've been around for nearly seven years and we put on a range of events in our local community and invite people to participate. Last year we put on two sessions that we called I Am You Are and it was in direct response to the Christchurch terror attack in March 2019 and in particular Jacinda Ardern's response to that attack which although I can't remember the quote exactly the implication of which was we always knew that othering the demonization of other people was an issue but we always kind of let it slide because it was oh Uncle John he's a bit racist but that's okay or you know Auntie, you know, Auntie Joan she's a bit homophobic and what Jacinda said after the attack was this is no longer acceptable that attack was the line in the sand, after which we say this language no longer is acceptable in our community at any level. Because we know that the ultimate end point of that language is the Christchurch terror attack and attacks similar to it. We know that that's the inevitable outcome. So why do we let it happen? And so in response to that, 
the collective with in conjunction with Uniting Church on Star Street in, in Vic Park and the Australian Islamic College in Kewdale put on a couple of sessions. The first session was a storytelling session really um, about or hearing from four people from very diverse backgrounds who'd been the subject of othering and demonizing being demonized. And that was quite an intense and turbulent session, as I'm sure you can imagine. People sharing some deeply intimate and personal and awful stories of being on the receiving end of hatred and bigotry. Hearing those stories, I think, for a lot of the audience was really eye-opening and really led to a deep understanding or an understanding of sorts of what it would be like to be on the receiving end of that every day. How brave for them to share those stories. Incredibly brave. Uh, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wow. Yeah, it was a big roller coaster of emotion over the night, as I'm sure yeah. you can imagine. But it was, um, yeah, it was incredible to hear people's stories um, from, from that. And the second session, as a direct follow up to that, was how we can take individual action. When we hear language like that in the street or on the bus or at the footy, or we read that language online, how can we as individuals respond to that in a, in a non threatening, non-escalating, you know, not a pitchfork kind of way, not vigilante, but in a de-escalating, calm, rational way, how can we step in or be involved in that to support those individuals on the, on, who are on the receiving end? We're trying to bring people from really diverse backgrounds together to understand a little more deeply about, um, about how other people live their lives. And the personal highlight for me was at the end of the second session, a young Muslim guy came up to me and said, oh, yeah, thank you, that was a really amazing session, I really loved it. I said, oh, yeah, my pleasure, it was you know, a you know, real privilege to be able to do it. Um, he said, oh, I've just moved to Perth. And I said, oh, where have you moved from? And he said, oh, I actually moved from New Zealand, I came here about two months ago. I said, oh, okay, what brought you over? And he said, oh, well, I was actually a survivor of the Christchurch terror attack, I was in one of the mosques. I would love, if you're having another session, I would love to speak at it. Wow. So... Gee. That was a goose. I still get goosebumps right oh now, even thinking gosh. about it. But that was a kind of light bulb moment for me around how the impact that we can have in the work that we do and how we can bring people from such different backgrounds together and how we can, yeah, just, I guess, just learn a little bit more about each other from, from sitting and listening, really. The thing that struck me when you were telling that story was, you know, the power of the individual because we all feel so powerless mm. in the face of all kinds of stuff yeah. that's going on. Um, but the beauty of beauty of those sessions by the sound of it is that, uh, of course, it's understandable that we feel powerless. But mm. at the same time, there are things that we can do that actually make a real difference. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I think to, to, yeah, to have that realisation that actually, yeah, you can do things and it mm. matters to people. So have you always been a community builder, you know, sort of guy? How did you get into this? I I think I'd start by saying I've always loved the idea of community, really loved the idea of it. Um, My parents were involved, heavily involved in our schooling and our school community. They were heavily involved in amateur dramatics in, in, in in their local community. But I'd always struggled to find my community. And I moved to Perth. 12 years ago now for my wife's work and so we knew no one here we have no family we're not from here the only people we knew when we moved were her colleagues and they're lovely people but they're her work colleagues they're not my friends or my work colleagues it was to be honest it was probably it was a real struggle for me for a number of years maybe five six years feeling incredibly isolated and incredibly lonely here 
and that was challenging personally and in a relationship sense and in a, you know, a, a number of other levels that we might leave for next time. Uh, <laughs> but um, suffice to say that at some point I found the collective and I found my, I, I don't love the word, but I found my tribe and suddenly there was this realisation, ah, oh, there are other people like me. And I know we've just talked about meeting people who are not like you and the real yeah, value in that. Yeah. But there's also there's also real reassurance about meeting people who are like you. And it makes you feel safe and secure and like you belong. So my journey, I guess, having met the collective or found out about the collective was I messaged them and said, oh, I'm thinking, have you ever heard of a car-free day? Uh, and if you haven't or if you have, here's an example because I've been studying it at Murdoch. Was a master's in sustainable development. And I think you should do something like that in Vic Park. And they said, well, we've just literally formed our car-free working group. Ah. Our first meeting is tomorrow night, talking of serendipity. Would you like to come along? So I said, well, sure. It felt safe. It felt secure. It felt like I can't put it any other way to say that I belonged. Like I was in that room of complete strangers. Like I knew no one else there. But it just felt comfortable. I was like, these are my people. What a relief after so long well, of feeling absolutely, isolated. Absolutely. And suddenly to have this realisation that other people care about the same things I care about yeah. um, was just, was incredible, like, absolutely incredible. And I came home and I you know, told my wife and it was like, yeah, this just sheer excitement and joy of, of finding this and realising that, yeah, these are, yeah, this was something I wanted to do. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think we forget that. I think mm. we forget that that feeling... Of, of belonging, um, of participating, we forget uh, that it can be transformative. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, and it, and it re- yeah, it really, really meant so much to, to me. And you can see how much it means to other people when they make connections, like when, when you see it happen in Befriend. And it's, yeah, it's incredible to actually have people who, like, you know, we, we run an annual survey, right? And we ask people, your thoughts on my friend, and you, you read it. And it's like, I, you know, it was so great to be part of something where I feel included and I feel like I belong. There's there's something in there for me also around trust as well, and and I and and getting people, getting communities to start to start to trust each other again because I think there's a lot of there's a massive distrust at the moment between people, whether that, you know whether that's just neighbours not knowing or not talking to each other, or you know different cohorts of people and different groups of people being really distrusting of each other and actually I think there's a huge amount that we can do organisationally or individually or you know through the collective um, to actually start to rebuild some of that trust and get people to understand that um, yeah most people are really lovely. One of the conversations we're starting to have as an organisation as a social network is the idea of inclusivity and what that means to individuals and to us, and therefore implications for what that means to us as an organisation. And I think it's yeah, it's a really interesting time for us because up to now, as we've talked about already, inclusion for us is we open the doors to everybody and anyone is welcome, and that's a, there's there's real value in that, and that's a really wonderful thing. But we've had a number of inquiries over the last year or so, you know, kind of half a dozen that have kind of just bubbled up to the surface. This idea actually of people. Who, who actually want to associate with people who are similar to themselves. So maybe who have autism or, you know, maybe you know, women from a culturally and linguistically diverse background for cultural reasons will only associate with 
women from that same cultural background. Therefore, they will never come to a Befriend event, not in its current form, because that is open to everybody and they feel uncomfortable in that space for a, a, a myriad of different reasons. Yeah. There might be people with a disability um, that won't go to a Befriend event because it's not the right setup for them. The, 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 the room's wrong or the space is wrong. Yeah. Or, and so one of the conversations we're having at the moment is maybe, what if we opened Befriend up as the social network to those individual cohorts? To actually say, what if we had a cultural and linguistic and diversity female only group? What would that look like? We just had a group for people with autism. Mm-hmm. And so the, con- the conversation where it's kind of headed at the moment is this idea that we can have both. And this is where freedom comes in, the freedom to choose. What would you say is the biggest hurdle to creating connections? The biggest challenge in creating genuine connection, I think, is, is actually starting to do it, is actually taking the first step. Because I think there's a lot of, you know, as we've mentioned before, there's a lot of people who are very lonely. And I think the absolute biggest challenge is to actually get out and do it. And that's easy when, you know, it's easy for us to sit here in a nice comfy room and say that's really hard um, without maybe actually ever having experienced what that social anxiety looks like or that loneliness or that, you know, being excluded feels like. Um, but I think for me, it is absolutely, that's the hardest thing would be mm. to actually step out of the room and go to an event. And the number of times that we hear stories of people who've gone to an event, sat in the car park and driven home because mm. they couldn't bring themselves to go in. Sure. And they might have done that half a dozen times. Um, and eventually when they take that first step to go in the room, I genuinely think that's probably the, the hardest mm. thing for people to do. Because when you get out there and you go to an event, you're unlikely to make an amazing connection on the first time you go, let's, yeah. let, let's be honest. But that overcoming that first hurdle and seeing how welcoming people are and feeling included, that will hopefully spark enough in you to be able to go a second time and a third time and a fourth time. If there was one piece of advice you could give to people who are keen to build community, what would you say? Do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I feel like there's... Just do it. Yeah, just do yeah. it. Like, just it, get out there. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no, well, there's no other option really, because no one else is going to do it for you. Uh, we can support you to do it. So come and see, or if you can't do it yourself, come and see us, and we'll help you do it. Befriends Dave Lindner talking about the Befriends social network. If you're keen to get started on building your own piece of the network, head to befriend.org.au. That's where you can also find the rest of the Connected Us podcast series. I'm Vanya Bromelow. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.